Welcome to the Slay and Thrive podcast, where we make crushing your goals feel like self-care. This is the show that helps high-energy women trapped in self-destructive patterns cultivate an unapologetic, loving body transformation through spiritual and personal development. On this podcast, you'll learn about dynamic eating psychology principles, mindset, shadow integration, and manifestation. I'm your host, Kayla Van Egdom, a health and energy guide, unicorn lover, and Amazon best-selling author. I am so delighted to be on this journey with you. Let's get started. Welcome back, Slay and Thriver, to another episode where we're going to tackle binge eating, emotional eating, and compulsive eating. More specifically, we're going to talk about why you don't need Overeaters Eaters Anonymous or FA or any other recovery program to transform your relationship with food. And we're also going to talk about what you really need instead. This podcast episode was inspired by two different things. The first is once upon a time, months ago, I came across this quote by a Reddit user. I didn't save it, and I think they were anonymous anyways. And I knew this would be the inspiration for a podcast episode. And the quote was this. Binge eating is like an unholy union between self-harm, behavioral addiction, and substance addiction, which is what makes it so insidious. And I want you to remember this quote and this lens of this unholy trinity as we talk about what we're going to talk about today. And the reason it's relevant is if binge eating is both a behavioral addiction and a substance addiction, why wouldn't you want to go to a recovery program that is similar to Alcoholics Anonymous, but for eaters instead? We're going to talk about why that is. But first, I'm going to tell you where else this episode was inspired from. It was actually inspired by a conversation I had with a really lovely woman. Like She was smart. She was driven. And she was someone who had been in Faye. I'm not super familiar with them, but in her words, it's a more strict, regimented version of Overeaters Anonymous. And she was feeling like she had to be in that program and she had to be very regimented and very controlled with all of her eating. And if she didn't, she'd always go back to binge eating. And that was a reality she had seen manifest in her life on a few occasions. And one of the reasons she found me and reached out to me is because I did a video back in the day about why I personally left Overeaters Anonymous and why it didn't serve me. There were ways it did serve me, and I'll cover those as well. However, there were a lot of limitations and things I did not agree with. And this woman believes, and I know that there are other ways to create the transformation we want with how we eat, how we take care of ourselves, how we soothe our emotions. It doesn't always have to be eating that we turn to. So what we're going to cover today is, A, what potential short-term benefits 
programs like OA and FA can have. I want to be as transparent and as objective to a degree as possible. So looking at both the positives and negatives. I also want to talk about why you don't need a program like this to heal. I'm also going to talk about how these programs can actually worsen or prolong your struggles with food and eating. And finally, I'm going to talk about what you actually need to become the person who has a natural, peaceful, healthy relationship with food. Let's dive in. Let's start by talking about the potential benefits of doing one of these programs. As I mentioned, I'm not familiar with FA. I am only familiar with OA, which is the overeaters version of Alcoholics Anonymous. Here are some of the the personal benefits I had going through this program. I did find that you were able to grow as a person through doing some of the steps. But you could do those steps without being in one of these communities. That's an aside note for a later time. I also found it was very life-affirming and comforting to deepen my spirituality inside of this program. And that looked like connecting to a higher power and also believing that there's deeper meaning behind things, even the things that have been painful and even traumatizing at times, believing there was some deeper meaning behind those things for me. This is my belief and it doesn't need to be one you need to ascribe to because we all have gone through different layers of painful thing and sometimes people don't find meaning in them and that's okay. I was able to, that doesn't mean that's going to be everybody's path. The parts of the steps that I found the most valuable were first doing a searching fearless moral inventory. And this is where you really look at yourself and see where are my shortcomings? Where do I have that room to grow? And you're not doing this from a judgmental, hateful place. You're doing it through the lens of, I know I have work to do. I know that if I do this work, my relationship with food can improve. I can either, you know, use the word recover, use the word heal, whatever you want to call it. If you aren't able to look at yourself, even the parts that are uncomfortable to look at, it's going to be very hard to change. When I talked about this in the last episode on shadow work, if something's just in our unconscious and we're not paying attention to it or maybe even denying it, we're not going to have it at the surface where we can actually affect change. So this searching moral inventory is incredibly deep, moving work that you can do. Another big part of this program that I benefited from was making amends. I believe that so many of our struggles with self-destructive or self-harming tendencies come from emotional baggage, whether that is things left unsaid, closure we never received, apologies we never made, even though the guilt about not making those apologies might still eat at us day by day. When you make those emotional those those amends, you feel emotionally lighter. You feel freer. Oftentimes, it's that feeling of lightness and freedom and peace keeps us able to have a more balanced relationship with how we're eating and why we're eating. 
The final thing that can be really beneficial is having a community. People who know what you're going through and have similar aspirations to improve their relationship with food, to get healthier. However, community can actually become a detriment in some cases. And I'm going to touch on that shortly. Those are some of the benefits. So OA, FA, they are not all negative. There are great things about them. But again, you don't need to be inside those containers fully drinking the Kool-Aid to do this deeper work. The first place I was actually introduced to this work was in a book called The Love Power Diet by Victoria Moran. I will link that in the episode description for you. And she actually talks about changing a relationship with food through the lens of love, love for yourself, a deeper love and appreciation for life in general. And she actually walks you through those steps I just talked about. So that's a great resource if you want to dive deeper into this without being in one of these containers. Now, why you don't need one of these containers? Let me start by saying that you are not powerless over food. And you never, never, never need to buy into this belief. In fact, the more you buy into that belief, the more you're probably going to create that scenario in your daily life. Because you are the source of power. You are the placebo, as Joe Dispenza would say. Because here's what happens. If you believe you're powerless over food and you tell that story on repeat, you're going to notice every single time you go through the drive through when you said you wouldn't. You're going to notice every single time you have that third slice of pizza when you plan to stop at two. You're going to notice all these times and you're going to think to yourself, I really am powerless over food. I don't have any control. And you're going to ignore the times where you're super stressed out and you want to eat the food, but you don't. You just kind of don't see those times because they're not part of your narrative. But when you have a different narrative that you do have power over food and you can make different choices, every time you make one of those choices, because now you're looking for it, that's the new story you're going to start to cement into your own reality. The other reason you don't need one of these programs is because when you think you need something outside of you to be successful, and I'm talking about an external thing like a support group versus that internal peace and inspiration you get from connecting to your version of a higher power, you become reliant on that external thing, on that support group, on that coach, whatever it might be. And if you're reliant on something, you are not free. If you believe that Overeaters Anonymous is the ultimate answer, and you get an incredibly healing transformation from it, the reason for that is because you made a decision in your own brain that it would work for you, and then you did the work to make it happen. The other challenge with these programs is they want you to keep coming back forever, which makes you feel like you're going to have this burden of being a food addict forever. And what this does is it actually cements that identity into your life. And this is where community can harm us instead of make us better. Because if we are continually going to something called Overeaters Anonymous, that's how we're going to see ourselves. I'm an overeater. I got to keep doing this work. I got to keep coming back. And there is so much danger in attaching to any kind of identity. 
And if you want to continue taking this dive, learning more about why it's so dangerous to cling to these certain identities, I do a deeper dive of this in chapter six of Your Body Is Not a Weapon. So I will link that in the show notes as well. Another great read in addition to The Love Power Diet. Another interesting paradox here is that when you're doing deeper spiritual work and you're finding it helpful and it's a catalyst for healing your relationship with food, the thing here is you actually don't need to be fully healed to make progress. And sometimes if you're in the middle of the OA steps and you've still got more amends to make and you haven't worked on this part of your personality, if you believe you have need to have all of that done to be free of your food issues, it's going to keep you stuck in the struggle with your food issues because you're not there yet. For example, if you still have mother wound work to do or this unresolved issue from childhood that keeps coming up, sometimes that can almost turn into a license to overeat or binge eat or eat compulsively. And I can speak to that one from personal experience. So I get it. So I've had to learn sometimes it does some good to partially compartmentalize and decide, okay, I can see how sometimes I have eaten to soothe emotions or that I'm playing out certain patterns with food that mimic patterns I have in other areas. And I can choose just for today or even with just this one meal choice to separate how I eat from how I live the rest of my life. So that's why you don't need one of these programs. I also want to talk about how these programs can actually cause more harm. First big one is step one, I believe, is admitting you're powerless over food. No, 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 absolutely not. Maybe this is an, an unpopular opinion. Maybe some people believe admitting to being powerless over food helps. I do not because I believe that if you believe that, that's what you're going to create. Instead, you can choose to tell different stories and then you can start creating the evidence in your actions with your focus to prove that I am not powerless over food. I might have historically struggled with impulse control. I might fill the pole to do this behavior and it might be a bit of a compulsion and that can change. Another way these programs can cause more harm is the hyper-focus on the food. So again, not familiar with FA, I've heard it's a more restrictive version of Overeaters Anonymous. And in Overeaters Anonymous, while they're not like, you must do it in this way, they do have what they call the 301 plan. And that's three meals, zero snacks, one day at a time. They're also often recommending you stay completely abstinent from wheat and sugar. And what happens then is there's a lot of judgment and fear and even shaming around eating these types of foods. And I saw this when I went to a little away event and then all of you went for breakfast together. And I can't remember, I either got toast with my meal or I got pancakes and nobody else got toast or pancakes. It was omelets and, you know, eggs and all the things, no wheat, no sugar. And I remember feeling the energy at the table shift when I made my order. And I definitely got some side eyes. 
I actually think that was the last time I ever went to anything Overeaters Anonymous related because I asked myself, do I really want to live the rest of my life in a food prison? Do I really want to call myself an overeater for the rest of my life? And do I really never, ever want to eat toast or pancakes again? Is that really the solution? And in my opinion, it wasn't. I might not want to eat it at every meal, but I didn't believe that freedom meant never eating those foods again. And another note here is that calling yourself an overeater or a food addict or any other harmful label can be a way that people unhealthily bond. So the glue that holds them together is the self-harm, the behavior addiction, the substance addiction. We don't have a lot of other common grounds, so they have to keep coming back to their struggles, and that's how they keep those bonds going. So sometimes community can be powerful when the community is focused on creating a change or working towards a positive goal. But if people are only coming together because they're trying to fix something or recover from something or get over some addiction, they're probably actually staying stuck there and they're bonding over something that would be actually pretty harmful. Then there's the notion that you have to keep coming to meetings forever and ever. And if you don't, you'll go back to your old habits. So you're always going to be in the struggle of food and it's like maintenance. I believe that that is something that does more harm than good. And again, a lot of this might be unpopular opinions. It's my opinion. It's my experience. And from conversations I've had with others, it's often their experience as well. Now that we've talked about why you don't need these programs and how they can actually harm you, talk about what you really need instead. I don't actually like the term recover. I think that term cements the identity of an addict in a person's personality. I think you need to call it that. I prefer one of two phrasings. I prefer healing. And healing is a return to wholeness. It's more of a return to a deeper connection with yourself. Or you're just looking to create a peaceful, balanced, natural relationship with food. And in that relationship, maybe on occasion you overindulge a little bit. Maybe on occasion you have the extra slice of pizza. Maybe on occasion you eat pancakes and toast at a breakfast. Does that mean you are back in the thrall of food addiction? No. It means you're a human and some meals are going to be more indulgent than others and it's all on a spectrum and every meal is an opportunity to be as healthy and balanced and moderate and peaceful as you want to be. So to get that kind of relationship with food, here is what I believe you need instead. One, I fully believe in doing the deeper spiritual and energetic work. Asking yourself, how is my emotional eating connected to how I'm living the rest of my life? I believe you also need a very deep connection to yourself. And what does that even mean? How do you connect to yourself? It's through your practices. And these are practices to keep you connected to every aspect of yourself. So physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And this is different for every single person. I used to be very much on the train that, oh my gosh, if everybody just journaled, 
that would be it. That would be the thing because that's been my thing. I journal using the four elements every single day. So I ask myself, how is my body feeling? How can I take better care of my body today? What am I feeling in my body? Am I feeling like butterflies in my stomach? And what's that about? Then I connect to my mental health. I ask, what are my thoughts doing? Where's my focus? Is that focus serving me? Is this thought even true? Then I also connect to my emotions and ask myself what I'm feeling and allow myself to actually feel it. And then I do journaling around the bigger picture spiritual stuff as well. So that is just my practice and my ritual to stay connected to myself. Yours might be a walk in nature where you're just quiet and alone with your thoughts. It might be yoga, meditation, dance. It's whatever works that helps you get quiet and connect with who you really are and what you really desire from life. And on that note, when you're connected to life, and yourself, you'll notice that maybe your life just requires some serious upgrades as well. So often people will be eating compulsively because there's something in their life that is way out of alignment. When I did my training through the Institute of of the Psychology of Eating, my mentor Mark David talked about often it was the people who kept the weight off Those people had some kind of big life change. So their relationship changed, their job changed. They moved to a new part of the world. Oftentimes, weight and eating, they're symptoms. They're not what's truly going on. What's truly going on is that something in our life is off and something in our life is misaligned. And whether it's binge eating or an inability to lose weight or excess fatigue, Those are just our body's ways of trying to get through to us, to tell us, this is not for you. Something needs to change. Another thing that you truly need is connecting to the most powerful part of yourself. So who you are when you're feeling your best. And then you want to tap into that power more and more versus staying in the energy of being an emotional eater who just needs to fix herself. So I know that when you are being that most powerful part of yourself, who you are when you're feeling your best and you've got lots of momentum and your vibration is high, you aren't making those eating choices that make you feel like crap. You aren't being controlled by food. You are present. You are grateful. You naturally gravitate towards healthy, life-giving choices. And you know what? Sometimes that is the gourmet cake at someone's birthday because it's worth it. And you want to experience pleasure in your eating as well. So just find ways to connect to that powerful part of you. And remember that you can be her at any time, especially when those challenging thoughts around food start to come up. The final thing I believe you need is to create a highly motivating vision for your life and what it's going to look like as someone who does not struggle with food and eating. What would your energy be freed up for? What kind of a life would you be living? What other things would you be doing? What risks would you be taking? Start to call in that vision and look at what you want to create for your life on the other side of these struggles with food and eating. And then start to bring that vision into reality. Because this is the one shift that's going to take you out of feeling like you're addicted to a behavior, you're harming yourself, 
you have a substance addiction and bringing you into the place of, wow, I am becoming the person who isn't consumed by this. I'm becoming a person who just naturally eats in a way that is both pleasurable and nourishing. And then I go think about all the other awesome things that are in my life. When you have that vision for your life and you start to bring that into your reality, that's what you're going to get. And I'm going to make a very educated guess that in that highly motivating vision for your life, it doesn't include going back to an OA meeting every single Saturday morning and sitting there with other people who still believe they need this program to heal or to have the relationship with food that they desire. It's not going to be part of the vision. So that was my soapbox. That is what I wanted to share with you today. Again, some of this might, you might not resonate with all of this and that's okay. I am sharing my experience and the wisdom I've gained from my life. And I also know that everyone has different stories and different things that work for them. I just wanted to share the things I truly believed could help and inspire. And I am wishing you a beautiful rest of your week. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the show. If you want to connect with a community of other amazing women who are conquering their goals, taking massive action, and loving themselves through the process, I invite you to join my Facebook community, Slay and Thrive 365. You'll get weekly challenges, motivation, support, and accountability as you move towards your goals. Hope to see you there very soon.